journey with us to find the right tools to grow your business with our digital series from the T's. We're creating a space to talk about the business side of beauty as part of an open, honest conversation to help you significantly increase your take home from the salon. Our goal is to help you take your base wherever you're at and make your own custom formula for success with practical advice, salon experts, and boots on the ground specialists. Listen to Tease Talks in this feed once a month. Financial health is very important to any business or salon, but it may scare you if you don't know where to start. According to Garmin and Fork, financial health is the feeling of having financial security and financial freedom of choice in the present and when considering the future. Now, that still means nothing to you, not to worry. On today's episode of Tease Talks, we're going to break it down and show you how to master it for your own salon. To help us, we've enlisted the help of Crystal L. Crystal is a dynamic industry leader shaping every line of business she enters with innovation and heart. With years of experience as an educator, salon owner, and now a tech startup founder, she has established herself as a trailblazer in the field. Crystal is the founder of Liquid Hair Institute, an empowering community that provides the essential training, tools, and support needed to run a profitable, sustainable, and welcoming business and retire on your own terms. In addition to her impressive work in the hair industry, Crystal L is a dedicated mother of three and co-founder of the Bold Academy, a nonprofit organization focused on supporting, nurturing, and enhancing the leadership skills of young women. Her commitment to inclusion and passion for empowering others shines through in all aspects of her life, making her a true leader in her field and an inspiration to anyone looking to make their mark on the world. All right. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Did you know you wanted to go into beauty from an early age? Absolutely not. Um, my mom told me at 13, I would be a hairstylist. And I was like, uh, you're a lie. Um, I had my first salon experience at 13 and I was dropped off at seven o'clock, got picked up at seven o'clock in the afternoon. And I was like, yeah, I can do this myself. So actually, no, I wanted nothing to do with actually the career in the beauty industry, but I've been a kitchen beautician since I was 13. Okay. All right. So you really did say I could do it myself and then you did. Absolutely. Okay. Amazing. (laughs) All right. So from there, tell us about your journey 13 on in a quick snippet. Oh, okay. So quick snippet. I wanted to be a teacher. So I actually went to school for education. Um, I spent my entire senior year at college, went to school for education about two years in, I realized that this was not for me. Um, And so I actually did a million jobs after that. So I worked retail, I managed a dentist office, I worked at a university in corporate America. And then a friend opened a salon and I got roped into helping her with marketing. And so I helped her pick her name. I helped her like set up like the marketing and all the things. And then one of our friends got married and she ran behind and she had all these pictures and she was like, can you do this hair? And I was like, uh, yes. And so I like slayed this wedding hair. And then she spent like the next six months harassing me to go to hair school. And I was like, girl, I'm not going to hair school and paying $20,000 for them to teach me what I already know. Ooh. <laughs> and so we, um, Fast forward, we tried to think of alternative ways. Um, And so we looked into Missouri and Missouri had apprenticeships. So I actually began an apprenticeship under her. Um, Within three months, I was actually apprenticing under her and managing her salon space. So I immediately got into business, um, understanding that part, doing the marketing. Um, Fast forward, I did that for about four and a half years through my apprenticeship. And then I went out on my own. Wow! I tell people I've worn every hat in the beauty industry, minus Cosmo School. So from there, I was um, a salon owner, um, both booth rental, hybrid. I built salon suites in 2020. 
I have a wedding team um, that I run that's independent contractors. And I retired from the chair in 22 and sold my business in 23 and founded a tech company in May of this year for um, it's a tech solution for the beauty industry. So I've literally been who you are listening. I've been you. That is that's quite a trajectory. And then all the way back to like, yeah, mom was right in a way. Because your mom's always right. He's always right. That's what I say. <laughs> all right. So we're going to transition and talk a little bit about mastering your salon's financial health. Can you explain to our listeners your version of or the definition of financial health? Absolutely. So the definition of financial health refers to the overall economic stability and profitability of a business. It's marking the revenue. It's strong. How you manage your debt, how you save. In the context of salon owners, it includes a steady flow of clients. Um, If you're able to keep up with offer and demand of services, how solid is your client retention? Um, Looking at all of those things determine how and what the health of your salon business is. Okay. So I'm sitting here saying that was a lot. There's a lot of different factors. How can one determine the financial health of their salon if they're listening and saying, "Mm, I kind of want to know, I'm not sure where I'm at. So the first thing I would say is it's okay if you don't know, like we don't know what we don't know. So it's shifting your mindset to be like, okay, I don't know this, but I want to know this because I want to do better. So that's the first step. And then I would say the next thing is like regularly reviewing your financial statements, regularly reviewing, um, the profit and loss of your business. If you don't have those set up, that would be the first thing I would do. Um, Tracking your revenue and your expenses. That's the simplest way to get started. Understanding what it really costs to run your business every day on a micro level. What does it cost to turn the lights on? What does it cost to keep them going? What does it cost to give yourself a paycheck and pay your employees if you have them? Wonderful. Thank you. So if we talk about pricing profitability and understanding profit margins, talk to me about what profitability means from a pricing perspective. So pricing profitability means that you understand what it costs to deliver a service, Um, basically what it costs from the overhead. So that is, I call it the fixed expenses. So the things that don't change every month to the variable expenses, which are the things that do change every month. And then leaving a margin for profit. So I've been doing this. um, I was horrible. Let's be honest. The first five years, your girl made lots of money, but I still was living paycheck to paycheck and felt extremely broke. But I got, I was like, this can't be it. Like this is a very, I see that it's a $255 billion industry. This can't be all there is. And so once I started to really get an understanding of what, it costs to just run my business, pay myself, pay taxes. And that was like that break even point, which is where most of salon owners and hairstylists live. Then the next level of that is profitability. What is the profit that's left over? So what money is left over after you pay all of the things? Um, So that is basically what your profit or profitability margin is. Okay. What are some strategies to pricing profitability? If I'm saying, okay, great, I am break even, I am paycheck to paycheck. I don't even know where to start to get to profitability. Awesome. So one, I have a tool that helps you, but if you're doing it on your own, um, for me, that was like the big step. And that's why that's where I 
it. Yeah. Um, if you're doing it on your own, like get out a piece of paper and literally write down your fixed expenses, your variable expenses. And then on average, we say most people should put aside about 20 to 30% on taxes, depending on your tax status. And then once you know that and you say, okay, I'm at break even. Now you have to say, how much profit do I want to make? And I do that by what I call is a dream number. And people are like, what's a dream number? It's basically creating the life that you want for the next, let's say six months. You literally write down everything you want. I want someone to cook. I want to take my kids on vacation. I want to pay just daycare. I want to get a massage. And you put all of that on paper and then you'll get a number. And so basically that number is like that extra that you need outside of your break even point. And then you get creative. You think about, okay, when's the last time I had a price increase? Yeah. What is my retention rate? How far am I booked out? What is my guest experience? Are there holes in the services that I can do that I deliver that allow me to level up so that I can actually get a price increase? And then saying to yourself, like we are professionals in every other industry in the world, people get a cost of living raise. Right. So at minimum, you should be getting a raise every every year. And that should play a part into your profit margin, creating the life that you want, that you deserve. How many stylists do you actually think that you've talked to have thought about giving themselves a cost of living raise? Because even now that you said that to me, I'm like, why why aren't we talking about that at bare minimum? I would say very few. Yeah. At this point, I've coached about 300 stylists in the last two years. And what I've learned is even the best stylists who have great teams and great money, a lot of them live on a break even point because no one's ever talked to them about actually pricing for profit. Mm-hmm. They really aren't pricing for profit, let alone pricing for a cost of living increase. Right. Went my first five years charging $41 for a haircut and being petrified to even think about raising my prices because I just, I really struggle with like, was I worth it? And even though I was booked eight to 10 weeks out, right. people wanted my services, but there was something internal yeah. about me that kept me from doing that. I think there's a commonality there with that I hear across the industry is, oh, will my clients, will they think I'm trying to not gouge them, but like, why do I deserve this cost increase, right? A little bit of an imposter syndrome almost. Yes, I would agree. But I can tell you what changed for me that made it work. Okay. I literally went through my guest experience. I literally was like, let me see what I offer. Let me see what it cost me for what I offer. And let me look at my numbers. And then it boiled down to me or them. Right. Like basically I was barely surviving. I wasn't making any money. I was living paycheck to paycheck, but I was working really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I looked at that experience and I looked at what I was charging and I looked at how many people were continuously coming from referrals that I did three price increases in one year. Wow. And plus zero clients. I didn't huh. feel anything. Mm-hmm. And I even had one lady and, and one thing that one lady told me, she was like, my God, you're like the fourth person I've been to and you're the best and you're like the cheapest. Right. And to her, that was like a compliment to me. It was like, well, damn, I'm out here doing great hair mm-hmm. and the least expensive. So what were those stages of sort of raising your pricing? How did that go in that three year time frame? 
So each stage looked a little bit different because confidence is a little bit different. Yeah. So the first time I raised my prices, I remember I was like, okay, I'm going to do a percentage and I'm going to do one percentage across all of my color because I was a colorist. And that's where I was like booming. I've always been an inclusive stylist. So I just marketed color and anyone comes to me. I work with all hair types and textures, blonding specialists. Um, So I had a huge clientele there. So I just decided I was going to raise it. I think the first time I did like 7%. Okay. So I raised everything 7% across the board. And then I literally just told everyone there was no systematic way to it. The first time I was just like, everyone I saw them, I said, Hey, I raised my prices. It's this much. And there wasn't any pushback, Mm -hmm. but I felt like, Ooh, I could do this a little bit differently, a little bit better. And since there wasn't any pushback, I was like, okay, let me think through how I can do this different the second time. Okay. So the second time I raised my prices, I actually decided, okay, I see all of my clients within a six week period. And because I see all of them within a six week period, I know that if I raise my prices starting, you know, December, I always did like so September 2nd, September 1st, okay. that six week mark by the middle of October, I've seen everyone. So if you're booking online, you're going to book the new price anyway. And then if you're pre-booked, when you came in for your service, I would say, hey, Jane, you know, we did your service today. I did a price increase. Um, Your service is going to be the same price today, uh, 58. But when you come back next time, it's actually going to be 64. Um, We book every four weeks. So I'll see you. I have November's 10th or the 11th. Which one works best for you? Yeah. And that was like the second time. And then the last time I literally just raised my prices. All right. So it became a confidence level. And the last time I was at this point where I'm like, well, when Walmart and Target raised their prices, they don't give us a letter and a big fuss about it. And, fuss about it. And and we just pay it. Yeah. Um, but I, I understand that that comes with confidence. I understand that comes with doing it. So it was like building each time. Yeah. But I highly recommend the second one. I highly recommend deciding when you're going to do it, deciding that period of how often you're going to see your clients, telling them when they're getting their service that the next time you come in, this is going to be the price increase. And then don't, I always say the first person talks like, like lose it. So don't like keep the spiel going. Yep. Like tell them how much it is. Mm-hmm. Tell them what's going to be the next time and say, okay, based on what we do, I'm going to see you in six weeks. I have this date or this date, which works best for you. I love that. Thank you. It just keeps the flow going. It just feels like a script. Practice it to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's like any negotiation, right? The first one, like you said, the person who speaks loses and there's no reason to be like, but I'm doing it because of this. And I'm, I'm sorry if that doesn't work. And I hope you rebook and uh, like all of the qualifiers that you don't need. It's just, yep, this I'm great. You know it. We'll see you in six weeks. That's right. I like that. I think it comes from like this abundance mindset too. Yeah. That it's okay. Like you may lose some people, but there's going to be people who fill that spot. But I always say, when you think about a price increase, it's not about emotions. It's about numbers and data. And the one thing that I'm so big on is data. Like data doesn't lie. Numbers don't lie. We can feel emotional about a price increase, but you want to look at your books. You want to look at your numbers. You want to look at your retention rate. You want to look at your KPIs. You want to look at all of these things to decide if you are ready for a price increase because not everybody is ready. But I tell you what, if you're living in this current era and you're keeping track of your products and your retail, they're going up. So unless you were just really high in your profit margin, it's probably a price increase. 
Yeah. All right. Hear that, everyone. It's it's probably time. And it's is the new year a good time to kick that off? Absolutely not. Okay. Okay. No. I thought you were gonna say yes, but you say no. <laughs> no, not it has not been my experience that the new year is the perfect time to kick off a price increase. But I tell you why. Okay. So we splurged during the holiday, huh? So we didn't buy a bunch of stuff. We didn't decorate it for all the holiday things. We didn't buy Christmas presents. And paid our personal property tax on everything oh. and we're getting ready to pay our taxes in january yeah so everything is really tight so people think oh i'm gonna do a price increase at the beginning of the year because the new year that's absolutely the worst time because people are actually really thinking about all the money they just spent yeah so the best time for a price increase is actually in the summer and in the fall okay and the reason why is because like summer people are just they free it's sunny outside everybody happy <laughs> they don't recognize it in the fall it's the same thing you're getting headed you're heading into a giving season a jolly season uh, people give more during that time people usually get we get better gifts we get gifts from our clients just thankful christmas gifts so this is like a great time is then it is definitely not the new year all right i like that that that's a real that's a real nugget right there, because I think like you mentioned, you're naturally like, OK, new year, new me. I'm going in hard. And the sentiment is is the opposite. So great tip. Thank you. All right. To, to round out this, you know, everyone wants financial stability and growth, specifically salon owners. What are some quick tips for achieving that stability and growth, even with consistent cash flow? Diversify your services. Yeah. So, and your skill set within your specialty. So everyone who knows me, I truly believe in, you should know how to do every sort of hair texture within your specialty. Yeah. So if you are a blonde specialist, you should know how to do blonding on everyone and then a basic finish, no matter who you are. Okay. So understanding if you're in a small niche of a hair texture, the a best way to um, increase or quick ways to increase your stability and growth is diversifying the, the services because you brought in your clientele. Yeah. And also you can create additional revenue streams by selling products, by selling mini services, by selling services or add-ons that you might not normally do, by upselling things that don't cost you a ton, upselling deep conditioning treatments, gloss treatments. We used to do mini services like part-line polishes, oh. wisdom touch-up, right? So it's these quick services that don't take a lot of time. They aren't a huge investment for you or the client, but they also give you um, more revenue. Yeah, And also regularly look at the data, the trends, the opportunities to reduce costs and increase revenue. Numbers and data matter so much. Amazing. So thank you so much for informing us on all things Mastering Salon Financial Health. I learned so much. Tell us, Crystal, where we can find you, follow you, and work with you. Absolutely. So first off, thank you so much for having me. It was an amazing experience. If you want to hang out with me in these social media streets, you can find me at Liquid Hair Institute on both Instagram and Facebook. We have a free Facebook community where we share all these tips and tricks and really build community and give you actionable steps. And if you want to dive into your finances, understanding your numbers, predicting your profitability, please go to liquidhairinstitute.com and join our waitlist or get access to our AI powered profitability tool that also has a bonus to help you color to get the great formula every single time.
Ooh, I like it. Two and one, twofer. <laughs> this is like a side note. It's so great. You'll be able to actually take a picture of your client's hair yeah. and then upload another picture. And then it's going to ask you some questions. You can put in, you can take pictures of your manufacturer's instructions and it's going to help you formulate. Oh, all right. Love it. So thank you again for joining us. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for joining this month's episode of Tease Talks. Join us next month for another episode. Tease Talks is a Tease Media production. This episode was produced by Monica Hickey and Madeline Hickey. Brian Daly is our editor and audio engineer. Thank you to our creative team for putting together the graphics for this episode. <laughs>